0: Welcome, Wildcats, to the final episode of Weber State Weekly's softball show this season. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On this final show, we've got the signpost's own, Simon Mortensen. Simon with the shirt, what's up, man? How you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. It's, uh, I'm missing the season, though. Like, I, man, I wish I could oh. still watch him play, but Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, here we are you know at the end of the season we're now sitting here at the end of may and we thought it would never end and guess what it ended and uh but we had a good run man and so we're going to talk a little bit about that but um great season great you know one of the best squads that this wildcat program has ever seen maybe the conference has ever seen and so we're going to talk a little bit about that so uh on tonight's show folks we're going to be talking a little bit about the ncaa tournament the wildcats took the trip up to seattle played in a couple of games, one against Texas, who ended up making out of the, of the region to make super regionals. And then also that heartbreaker against Lehigh will break down those two. Then we're going to go into a season recap. We're going to talk about some of our favorite and maybe not so favorite moments of the season. We're going to break all that stuff down, kind of reminisce a little bit about this great team and kind of the, the action that we saw. And then uh, finally, we're going to, we're going to do a, a segment that I'm calling Cremo, the wildcat crop uh we're going to be ranking uh, now that all the all the programs have played you know basically the academic year is over for ac- wildcat sports we're going to rank the seasons that that our teams on campus had and kind of say who who had the best season on down to who had the roughest season so we'll talk a little bit about that get our rankings and then um that'll be it so Before we get into all that, um, want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all good places, even though this is the end of our softball coverage for the season. Uh, We will be doing going into off-season programming, so every couple of weeks, we're going to be aiming to bring you alumni interviews from players, wherever they may be, former Wildcat athletes who are now doing whatever they might be doing in the world. And so we'll be trying to get those out to you folks every couple of weeks to keep your feed. Not totally stagnant, right? We want to keep you guys with some content as we head into off season. Give us an opportunity to kind of work through some things. But a good thing to do in the off season is follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all good places to find Weaver State Weekly and uh, follow up with us. So hit us up on all of those things. Uh, it's a great place. Like I said, even though the, the podcast content may not be coming as often, we'll be just as active on social media talking about things and uh, pushing out new ideas, maybe getting some feedback from you folks on kind of what you'd like to hear in season three next year of Weber State Weekly. And then, of course, we've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weekly and support our work. We really want to say thank you to our patrons this year who have done such an amazing... Uh, an amazing favor to us at Weber State Weekly, supporting our work, you know, helping us to kind of keep the lights on and continue to do the, the, the show that we love so very much, bring you this good content, scheduling these interviews with you folks and helping you all get to know the Wildcat um, teams, student athletes, coaches, all of those things. Really want to thank our patrons for making all of that possible. And we'll be working in the off-season to revamp our Patreon program so that we can hopefully bring you more of what you want and reward our patrons even more in Season 3 of Weber State Weekly. And then finally, last shout-out of the season, we want to thank Studio 98 for being rich and uh, very generous supporters of Weber State Weekly this season. Um, if you didn't know who they are, they make rings right there in Ogden. They make custom rings who are uh, made of unique materials, often lots of wood. I uh, saw that there was a a very special ring that uh, the owner, uh, if you don't know him, uh, he is, he's a Ogden city councilman, wildcat through and through, uh, made his wife just this gorgeous ring off of a, a trip that they just took to Europe. Lots of little trinkets that they found along their trip, took all those parts, made it into a ring. So Ben Nadolsky, want to thank you so much for your support of Weber state weekly this year. And, Go, to, go check out the website, folks, studio98.com. That's studio, N-I-N-E, and the number eight, dot com. They make great rings. Uh, like I said, a former Wildcat football player, now an Ogden City Council member, and uh, just a great community member. Go out there, support him. Super good guy. I bet you if you email him, he might make you this ring. Go check it out. Um, all, all the good stuff that they've done and their support of Weber State. We can't thank them enough. So, all right, Simon, that was kind of like our last intro of the season. Let's talk a little bit about this NCAA tournament runs. So the Wildcats, they take their, they pack their bags, head up to the Seattle Regional as a three seed. First time that's ever happened in conference history. And uh, the Wildcats get a tough draw. They get Texas first. We didn't know what to expect necessarily from a Texas team who maybe, you know, there was a lot of explanation in the media going into last weekend about how they, they didn't feel snubbed, but they were surprised they were going to Seattle, right? I think that's cover. I think that they felt snubbed. They felt that they should be hosting, not Washington. And so to see them come out of the regional into the super regionals um, and beat Washington twice, uh, probably helps them to feel really good, but the Wildcats got to face them on opening uh, day of the of the regional, and it was tough, man. Um, we talked a lot last week about the fact that the that Texas was a very patient team at the plate, and I think we saw that, right, man. We, they were as advertised on offense. We talked about Janae Jefferson and and the phenomenal like player that she is. Watching the broadcast and kind of hearing them talk about the records that she has at not just the University of Texas, but also in the Big 12 conference. I mean, she's a, she's a generational player. She went three for four. She had a home run, kind of a frozen rope that went over the field, over the wall. Um, you know, when it came to the offense, I mean, the pitching was pretty good. Just, you know, what do you do uh, against a team that came out of the regionals? You know, Didn't get run ruled, six runs. You know, they, they held Texas to just six runs. And other teams did worse yep
1: exactly I think that I think that is one thing, like you know, and they had they had every right to feel a little bit surprised a little bit snubbed um I think you know it's obviously a testament to the conference that they're in. if they were in a different conference, I think they would have been a a, a one seed you know that's pretty easy to understand um Janae Jefferson definitely lived up to the hype. I'll totally say it um those three those three hits you know, and especially a home run right there um and Wildcats had a lot of really good pitching, like you know you had mo Ramirez and Arissa Anderson out there, you know um and so I think that was one where um you know it was heartbroken to see him to see him lose that game, but um it was one that was uh definitely a tough one. Um, I like that we got got a few players on base in that first inning. I think that was one thing you know I think coach Amicone was trying to strike, you know kind of hit him hard fast um and it almost worked. Um, I think I think we got Faith Ho almost inside. Um, just wasn't just wasn't playing it out. Yeah. Um, she was there on third base, she was sixty feet away from scoring a run, yeah. and you're right.
0: Like that that's that was the MO, right? Like do damage early. The Wildcats had success doing that. And they almost were able to do that in the top of that first inning.
1: Right. Yep, exactly. And so I think that's just one of those things, like when that when that didn't go through, kind of killed the momentum a little bit. And then obviously we saw that Texas team patient on the play. Like I don't think they scored till what, like the 30, like, I think they may have scored once in the second inning, but I think it was the third inning that they really started to. The fourth inning was when they went up from three to six. So I think it was like once in the second and then twice in the third. Um, but yeah, so, it was one of those teams that was slowly eating you.
0: Yeah, once in the first, two in the second, puts up a zero in the third. But then, like you said, that fourth inning, they put up three. That includes the. Whole
1: That's right.
0: Run from Janae Jefferson. Uh, her, you know, it was a solo. The Wildcats were able to kind of think they brought Mo Ramirez in, able to kind of lock things down and uh, did a good job of holding Texas. But the Wildcat offs just couldn't get anything going. And so they yep. ended up falling six to nothing. Tough.
1: And credit to Texas. You know, I think like we were talking about their defense maybe being the little struggling point that they might have and um, clearly locked it up. Um, Estelle Cech pitched a a great game. Uh, uh, That was a hard one. Um, I I was wishing we could get something against that defense because I think that was their one weak point that we could have gotten something against. But yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's the one thing that I pointed out in the rundown that I was surprised at because we talked about that, about how... Texas defensively wasn't necessarily the sharpest team. We knew that they were going to offensively get their, they were going to get their hits. And that if you could, you know, contain the damage that you would have an opportunity. Uh, We didn't know who they were going to pitch. They actually ended up pitching their third. They didn't even pitch their first or second, which felt like a snub, right? Like, Oh, the Wildcats, you know, they don't even deserve to, to see a Dulcini who is their ace this season, right? The transfer from Fresno state. But, uh, It paid off for them. And I think that that's what hurts is that they pitched their third, their third best pitcher and it worked. And I think, and and part of the reason that it worked was for some reason, like that defense was very, very sharp that day. You know, there, I think there were two, two hits into double plays in the game. Yeah. Just, Just, I think in, in softball, like it's not like baseball, like you don't see that that often, like hitting into a double play is rare and tough. And they did it a couple of times in the game. And so it was just like, man, it's just kind of unlucky. And then Texas was kind of getting these just like lucky balls. They are you know, lofting it over the left side, just above the glove of Emily Rule or McDonahoo, right? Just, yeah. just enough to get into the outfield. Or, you know, Janae Jefferson, we knew she was going to get on base. And she's fast. Like, she was so fast. And, you know, before you knew it, she was at, you know, she was within that, that was first 60 feet. And she was heading to second with a double. And just, she yeah. was just so good. At, but I was surprised at how well, texas's defense performed against the wildcats even though they did have some success they were able to get on base Um, there were just situations where they'd get on base and they just couldn't get anything going they just couldn't bring somebody around because i think that if the wildcats score a pair in maybe that first or second inning i think the game looks a lot different than it did right like oh it's it's three two going into the third like that's just a completely different thing. And, like, I guess I shouldn't feel terrible because Washington mustered just what two runs in both of their appearances uh, against Texas. And yeah. that was your teen seed, right? Like, that was Washington, who was a team that was hosting. They got two runs against them. Now, of course, you know, you could say, well, yeah, but they were facing, you know, Dolcini and others. Sure. sure but but... <laughs> I think the Wildcats could have mustered that. It was just unlucky, you know, kind of hitting situationally. And uh, it just didn't work out, which was a bummer.
1: Yeah yeah no i was um i and that was the thing like watching watching donahue and uh rule out there like you know that was one thing where you could tell like it was just those those ones that were just right above the glove it was kind of it felt a little bit utah state like to watch <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> was those lucky balls right there and i'm like that's the thing we we have seen them prove it time and time again that rule and donahue are two of the best defensive players that are out there like, you know, especially yeah. big sky like killed it. And um, they were just killing it in playoffs, everything like that. No team was getting past them. And so, you know, you can't, you can't really pinpoint that to to the players as much. I think they, I think they did a good job at it. I and mean, I trust Roland Donahue every single time. Um, and yeah, it is sometimes the ball just goes right over that glove.
0: Yeah. And they had some good defensive plays, right? Like, yeah. you know, when we oh, talk yeah. about the fact that the Wildcats did not get run ruled in this game, they did lose yep. six to nothing to Texas, but um, th- there were a lot of really good defensive plays that kept that Texas offense in check because they had a lot of good hitters. Man, like Ayacopo yep. was as advertised; she was powerful. She, now she's not the one that ended up, you know, hitting home runs in that game, but still, yep. when she was up to the plate, there were some situations where I was very, very nervous. It was like, oh my gosh, like Ayacopo was coming up, and we have, you know, one or maybe two on on, and it's just like this is a dangerous situation because we know that she has power. Um, so a credit to the defense and a credit to this pitching staff. They were given a tall order. And yes, the, the, the Longhorn scored six runs, but I think all, all being said, like six runs against a team like Texas, you know, when Washington played them the first time, they gave up eight.
1: Yep. Exactly. So,
0: you know, kudos to Arissa Henderson and Mo Ramirez for keeping that in check because it's a tall order, and I think that, you know, by and large, they answered the bell as best they could in that situation.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: So now, man, let's, um, you know, the Wildcats, like we said, ended up losing in that first, uh, that first day, and so they go down to the, to the bottom of the bracket, and they ended up facing Lehigh, who lost to uh, Washington in that, uh, earlier that day, I believe. And so it was Weber State versus Lehigh, and this was a gut punch, man. This was a tough game. Dame Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum had a bet on this game. Uh, that's I, that was one thing that I was like, come was on, come on, Wildcats, like win this one for Dame, bro. Right. He's he's got a, he's got three wine bottles on this thing here, you know, like. And <laughs> and they talked about that on the broadcast, right? About how you know a couple of NBA players, you know, up late tweeting about college softball. And how it was that was nice,
1: right? Oh, no, it was it was awesome to see him tweeting about it. I uh I wish it would have gone more in our favor. I really wish McCollum would have lost that bet, you know. Okay. Um, obviously, but it it was nice to see him tweeting about it. It uh yeah, that was that was the gut punch more than the longhorns were. Like I think like, you know, putting a putting a team like against the Longhorns and just losing by six, I think like, you know, that's a tall order to try to to try to match up against the Longhorns, but I think we were a better team than Lehigh. I still think we're a better team than Lehigh. Heard a while. Um, and that—that's what hurt about this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, because you know everything looked like the Wildcats had it in hand. You know, going into the sixth inning, top of the sixth yep. coming up, so the Wildcats are you know just a bit away of you know they're just two innings away of you know getting the dub, and of course that would have meant they would have gone on to face Washington, which yep. they did not get the opportunity to do this year, um, and so. It, things looked okay. So long as the pitching held and Mo was dealing, things were going really well, ended up giving up a run in the top of the sixth, So it was four to one, right? Yep. Uh, going into, going into the, oh, sorry, she gave up a run in the top of the fifth. So it was four to one. The six starts gave up just one run in the, at the top of the sixth, So it's four, to two, right? Like, okay, manageable, you know, Mo started to falter in that, uh, in that seventh though. And uh, yep. that's that's when disaster struck. She ended up loading the bases with nobody out, and that's where that's where we ran into some issues.
1: Yep, exactly. And I think they brought Aris on to kind of um, get it down in the seventh a little bit too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there was pitching change, there was. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's what was hard about this one was just that it all came in on that seventh inning. Um, and it's one of those things where I think anything can happen in the seventh inning. And we've kind of proved it this season with some of the games that we've had that we just pulled out of our hat right there and, you know, immediately came up with X amount of runs or, or enough runs to tie the game. Um, you look back at that Idaho State <laughs> game where we were, it was 11-17. to 17 And I think we were about to lose that game for a while. But um, that's one of those things that um, I think it was just like, you know, unfortunately, um, hard to close out in a situation like that and um, got the better of us. I uh, I think that... Um, I think Mo was definitely a little bit tired. I, I don't think pitching against Texas helped. Um, yeah. It might have been nice to see Mandy sink on one of those for a bit. Um, just because I think it would have... It would have showed, like, you know, we have three dominant pitchers and we can pull them out of our hat at any time. I think that that's one thing where I kind of would like to see that come in a little bit more during that Lehigh game just because I think it would have relieved some of the pitching a little bit because I think Mo and Orissa, as great as they are, they do, get, they do get a little tired and pitching against a team like Texas the game before. Yeah, you're going to get worn out.
0: Yeah, I think it's a tough call, though, because yep. keep in mind that, like, Mandy Sink had not pitched since what? Sack State Series?
1: Sack State Series, yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. She had a place during the playoffs. Um, so it was probably... the
0: playoffs, and and we're talking about the season on the line here. Yep. Uh, I understand the call to the bullpen to bring Aris Anderson out, right?
1: Absolutely. No, I totally get the call from the bullpen.
0: Yeah. But I understand yeah. what you're saying, too, where it's like, if you do bring in Mandy Sink, it's probably a different look than they're not expecting it. Right. Um, and I think also it was difficult because at that point, the heart of the order is up. And so they're in yep. dangerous territory with the mountain Hawks um, lineup because they ended up scoring two. And, and this is where the gut punch comes in. Um, the, the strike zone was pretty tight, right? Let's be honest. The strike zone was tight and uh, the Wildcats end up walking in the go ahead run, yep. which was just heartbreaking. Cause it was like, because I was going to talk about this next. In fact, the fact that the Gabrielle Nori had a really, really good outing against the Wildcats, right? She did like, she was really good in a in a way that Caitlin Young wasn't. You know, the Wildcats were able to put four up on Caitlin Young, who was supposed to be Lehigh's ace. They pull her. They bring in Gabrielle Nori, and Nori shuts the Wildcat offense down. They do not score any more runs, and that is like the pain, right? And I was watching her, and I think that what was happening is that like her pitches were she wasn't attacking the zone necessarily, right? I felt yeah. like she, there was a little bit of desperation and chase by the Wildcats, and so they were swinging at things high and out of the zone. There were a lot of high balls that, that they were going after that I think if you take more of like a Texas approach, where you say, we're going to make her pitch to us, I bet you she walks a lot more batters than, than the Wildcats let her because they yeah. were trying to swing out of it. And that also makes sense because we talked about the Wildcat hit tool, that attacking... Going after balls and you know swinging at things and putting the ball into play really helped in the non-conference and in the conference schedule, right? Like they would just go after, they would go at teams, try to against Gabby Nori, didn't work. She shuts yeah. them down. Lehigh wins five to four in a heartbreaker.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, I uh, yeah. As far as that bottom of the seventh too, um, I think that's the one where it gets a little bit. Um, even more so, cause I think like, you know, you come in with, um, Ho and, and Henderson, who are all great batters. Like we've seen it time and again. Um,
0: It looks good, right? Like, okay. Right. Maybe something.
1: Maybe something. Um, and it, I think it's hard. Um, you know, you kind of, you kind of seem going for these power swings, which is natural. Um, and I think, um, I think it was just one of those things where I wish, there was a way we could have seen it had, had we gone for something a little bit more conservative and maybe just tried to get on base a little bit and tried to wear him down. Because I think we could have gotten to a point where we could have got the bases loaded a little bit better and maybe been in a little bit of better position to score. Um, but I definitely think we were swinging for home when we, were, when we were going up on that seventh inning a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Yep. So, um, like we said, the Wildcats end up losing 5-4 to Lehigh. CJ McCollum wins the bet. Yeah. <laughs> Wildcats go home. Uh, that was the end of their season. Lehigh ended up going on to face Washington. Uh, they lose that game. That was a late game because they had to play right after that. Yeah. And so um they lose the Washington, Washington faces Texas one more time. Texas beats them three to two. They make it out of the super, out of the regional, into the super regionals. And that puts a bookend on the end of the Wildcats season. So a historic season, the Wildcats are still conference champions, and that was something we tried on social media. The fact that, yes. The Wildcats did not get the ending of the season that they wanted. They did not win an NCAA tournament game where we felt confident they might win one, maybe two, depending on how things go. Uh, that this, you know, this team, with the pitching and the defense and the hit tool, looked like they were primed for that. But uh, it wasn't to be. Uh, but we should always remember that like, this was a crazy, crazy run, a dominant run. Like, there was no doubt that the Wildcats were, were conference champions, right? Like, exactly. Run ruling their way through the entire conference tournament, not giving up a single run. Like it was as dominant a performance at Wildcat softball field, I think, as we're ever going to see.
1: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um and I think like, you know, it, it's nice because I think one of the goals was this of this season, especially when I was talking to the players um back in January um before the season started was um it wasn't only like t- to win some conference games and everything like that uh not some like conference championship games because they obviously um they obviously did one. want to win in the tournament like that that was one thing that they really wanted to do again they, they talked about that 2019 season and we're just in love with it but i remember uh casey whiting was just saying like how much she wanted to make weber state look like one of the big teams because she believed we were at that level and um you know not only run ruling your way through the conference tournament and everything like that like but you look at that phenomenal preseason you look at this fantastic regular season that wins another regular season title and everything um and it would have been it would have solidified that even more had they won in the NCAA tournament like I'm not going to say it wouldn't have um but it obviously is so nice to see you know a, a team that gets to that that point where i do think we proved that we're up there with the bigger programs like we're not we're not a small school when it comes to softball i think we are one of the best teams in the ncaa and we proved it this year and i am wearing a weber state hockey jersey they are 50 bucks in the hockey games and you should go support club sports because these things are awesome and i wear it all the time and i probably would have paid like I don't know. I wear this thing all the time. I love it. It's like one of my favorite shirts ever. <laughs>
0: it's true. This is not the first time that Simon has oh, worn that hockey jersey no, on this show.
1: Time. Yeah, I've worn it to different. Yeah, I've worn it to plenty of things. I love this thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. I think that those jerseys look awesome, and uh, the hockey team especially. <laughs> they've they've been posting their recruits um, on social media. If you're not following them, please do. Um, they've got a really. They've got a good operation over there. But uh, they've been getting a lot of guys that I think that they're gonna have a. They're gonna have a pretty talented squad next season. But um, support club sports. But yeah, so that's the end of the NCA tournament uh, for the Wildcats. We put a close on the season. The Wildcats still remain conference champions. And, um, and yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the season now, man. Like, let's, uh, let's, let's go down memory lane a little bit here. And let's talk about uh, some of our favorite moments from this season. Because it was a historic one, and there were a lot. And so I've kind of cooked up a, a few here. To uh, give a sense of you know maybe this was our favorite moment about about this and so first one that I wrote down man was um, favorite home run this season Simon what uh, what do you got for your favorite home run?
1: My favorite home run I brought it up on the last show it was like my favorite play of the conference um, conference game um, as far as the conference tournament goes was uh, Arissa Henderson's grand slam against Idaho State um i was sitting on um with press they put them on top of the um the box for the announcer so they'll put me like up on this balcony and you can kind of see everything going on you feel like a ball is going to hit you it's it's awesome but kind of yeah like um and what happened was um she got up there on the first inning and uh hits this ball to the warning track and immediately you knew that she had kind of figured it out against him yeah. and that she was going to knock it over the park the next time. And then you see the batters, like, the bases get loaded. Not only that, but Chloe Camaro hit a home run right before she did, like, right after she did that. Yeah. Um, but then goes up and does the grand slam in the second inning, and it was, like, it was just so satisfying to watch that ball go over. It was awesome. So that, that was my favorite home run of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's and that's a good one, man, because, um, like you said, when that ball went over the fence, I think that there was no doubt in anyone's mind that the Weaver State was gonna beat the Bengals. Like they were they were going to cast out the demons of last season, losing as a as a host in the first round to Portland State. That wasn't happening today. The Wildcats were gonna win, they were gonna beat the Bengals, and they were gonna to advance to the next round. And that, so uh
1: Yeah. I uh, I had my text with Emily. Um and she, uh, I was like, we get, we're out of here in five. And I posted that right <laughs> before that. Yeah, and I saw right. the and get up on there, and I'm like, look is up the bat, and then she's like, Yep, you called it. And I'm like, Yep. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah man. I think for me, a uh, couple of home runs come to mind. One is an Arissa Henderson one. Um, the the home run against Utah, man, that was such a big. Like it felt like that moment sort of gave the Wildcats the momentum they needed to beat Utah at Wildcat softball field and be like, yeah, we can play with you. We can do it. And they did, right? They they ended up, you know, when Orissa put the ball over the fence, that was a big one. But uh another one that came to mind that uh I I really, really liked. Ah man, there's so many good ones. I was gonna say Faith Ho's first one off the scoreboard. That was a good one. Yes. That was a good one. (laughs) But another one that I was going to bring up was and this Yes, this, this home run happened in a game that the Wildcats did end up losing, but the home run against Utah State by Mika Chong, I've been calling her Mika Bombs, because we know, having watched Mika this season, that she has that power, you know, and it's going to be great to watch her play over the next few seasons. Um, she was such a great hitter at the plate, you know, was brought up in a lot of pinch-hitting situations, and she delivered in a lot of those situations. But uh, late in the game, Against Utah State, when she hit that home run, I think it was a go-ahead home run at the time to put the Wildcats up after you know a a massive Utah State rally because the Wildcats were up big time. I mean, if you guys remember that game, they ended up like I think both teams scored double-digit runs. It was just nuts. So, unfortunately, the Wildcats lose. Utah State has the you know the devil magic against the Wildcats, I guess. But that home run felt big, man, and especially for a freshman coming off the bench to deliver like that. Mika Bombs, she was just, that was great, man. And so I, I like that moment. But like I said, the Faith Ho home run off the scoreboard, that was a good one. Uh, the Orissa Henderson home run against Utah, the Orissa Henderson granny against Idaho State. Uh, man, there were just so many good bombs this season um, that just yeah. were just clutch and huge for the moment.
1: Yep. And that's one of the things too. I love that. Um, I love that Mika bombs one um, because one of the things is like she was defining herself, you know, especially in that California series, I think it was against San Diego state that this hit might've been against when she came in and kind of solidified the game for the cats. Um, but that was one of the things like she's a clutch player and that's a home run that you kind of, you remember for a while, you know what I mean? Because of, yeah. it's that, it's that little start to, who's going to be just this incredible player for Weaver State that we don't forget. So
0: Yeah, man. Yep. So next on my list, I have a uh, favorite defensive play of the year. I mean, Wildcats had some good and so much so that they
1: even ended up on ESPN.
0: Yep. So, Simon, your favorite defensive play this year? What do you got?
1: I think you have that that one on ESPN they got there with uh McHouston and she, uh That was a phenomenal one with her diving from I believe it was around first base where she got there. And I uh I talked to the photographer who actually caught that moment and he was talking about how awesome it was. Um they had um they had a double play against um Northern Colorado, where it was grounded up and um just this like simple toss to second and then right to first on it. Um and it was just fast, like and it was one of those ones that you kind of tell like we were at a little bit of a different level. Um, and I think it had happened just right after that um, first loss, of the conference um, play. Mm. And there may have been in that. I'm trying to remember because I think it was after that one. And it was just like one of those things where we saw him That's coming off. Yep. They turned it on. So I, I loved that play. Um, it got, it got on Instagram on the wildcats page. It was just so clean and it was the definition of this defense that basically has like a 95% fielding percentage. And like, I don't how many errors did they get this season? I don't even think it's double digits on how many errors they got this season. Like it was low. And so I loved, I loved that play. I think it just defines wildcats softball.
0: Yeah. For me, I think uh, probably my favorite defensive play this year. I did enjoy, you know, any time that Lauren Hull was going to gun someone down. I love those. I mean, and I think there was one. I think it was in the the Lehigh game in in the tournament. She gunned down somebody trying to run on her, and yeah. I, I, I always love that. Um, there was another play where Mia Rushton in center field. She's running. She's she's sort of. Coming toward the ball, but the ball, she catches the ball over the shoulder to, to, save the, to save the runs. And I think it ended up ending the inning as well. It was just a huge play. And it was just like, man, that's, that's great stuff. And so, like you said, defensively, the Wildcats, they were just so good. There were so many good defensive plays this year that kept runs off the board and kept them in games. And so, credit to the coaching staff, man. It's a well-coached team. Just did an absolutely incredible job coaching them up, and you know doing the best of what, what they with the team that they had, and uh, I think that they really they made a they made a big impact on on this
1: squad. Exactly. Yep.
0: So now, man, I want to I want to ask you um, a lot of dubs. Thirty eight of them this season tied the conference or tied the uh, program record. What's your favorite favorite dub this season? The biggest dub that you. Utah game, Yep. Utah game at in in Ogden. Second yep. game of that set. Wildcats walk away winners.
1: Exactly. I think that that's one of those things. You know, we we had done so much um, in the preseason and everything, playing against major schools, um, and just destroying the entire state of Nevada, which was awesome. <laughs> be, yeah. <laughs> right, like we're being talk Lakers. about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got like Texas A and M, everything like that. Like we 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 were just killing them. Um, but like, it's those in-state games that I think mean the most to to fans and um, to people spectating, and I think even to players. Like, you know, you can't tell me that Arissa Henderson wasn't a little bit happy seeing the Utes go down. You know, like there, there's still some of that BYU blood in there. Like she she had to love. It. And I think that's one of those things. Like it just means so much. Um, beating a team that really dominates in state and kind of saying, Hey, we're the, we're, we're in town now. So yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now that Utah win was big, um, especially after the non-conference schedule and being like, Oh, we haven't beat this team since 2019. You know, it's been a few years. Like they just got our number to get that game. I think was just really big for this team. And especially for the squad to kind of be like, yeah, we can play because Utah consistently had an RPI. Just ahead of the Wildcats, and so for them to kind of have that opportunity was like, yeah, man, we can play. For me, um, there were uh, there were a couple, there were a lot of really good dubs this season. You mentioned you mentioned the Texas A and M game. I think the San Diego State win is a little underrated on our schedule, to be honest. Like that was a big win. That was a huge win. And yep. at the time, it was just like, yeah, we knew that was big. We wanted to win two against San Diego State because then we could say, oh, we swept the, the Mountain West had the Wildcats not lost to Utah State. I think you know, going into that game, we had anticipated winning that because the kind of squad that we had was much better than the squad that they had. Just had a weird, weird day up in Logan. But um, for me, I think that my favorite dub this season... Ah, oh, man. The comeback win against U.V.U. was big. Yeah, that one was good. Sweeping U.N.L.V. was big.
1: That was big. Yep.
0: Um, but probably the Texas oh, the Texas A and M game. I feel like in terms of like when we believe, when like, we really started to believe that this team was different, I think that was it. One, yep. you know, you know, one hitting Texas A and M. Who was a tournament team, you know, coached by uh, Mary Kay Amagones' um, good, good friend and former teammate Joe Joe Davis, who I think ended up getting her uh, what was what was the milestone? She got like three thousandth win, yeah, uh, in the tournament this year. Uh, it was just absolutely that was a huge win. And so if I if I were to pick, that's probably the biggest win. But my favorite win. Probably the Mariah Ramirez 16K game against SUU, because not only is it against the Birds and it's no, in Ogden, it? <laughs> but Mo Ramirez out there absolutely just dealing, man, and getting 16Ks, ending the game on a strikeout to tie the record. Just man, yep, <laughs> etching her her way into you know the Big Sky record books. That was that's was probably my favorite dub of the season. It's just like, man, that's great.
1: I've quoted this one a lot, but one of my favorites will always be the Idaho State game at the end of that series, the 17-11 oh, against man. Haley Rainey. I you can't love you can't hate that game. I think it is that is a barn burner if I've ever seen one and I love seeing that. That was a yeah. that was a fun game.
0: Yeah, man, that was a
1: when
0: they shelled her in that game, like all fear of you, Idaho State, went away because it was like yep. we just shelled your ace. We just shelled. I don't, shelled care. Him. I don't <laughs> care who you are. We, you know, Wildcats could beat anybody. I don't care anybody in yep. the conference. Like next time I see you, I'm not afraid. And that was kind of the vibe with Sac State, right? It was like we shelled Marissa Bertuccio every single time we faced her. So much so that they didn't even play her in the championship game because they knew the Wildcats were going to shell her. Right? Like it was going to happen. Like she cannot pitch against this team. And she's the conference pitcher of the year. And we talked all about that, you know, last episode. But um, yeah, that, hit, that game, like you said, that third game where it was like, oh, okay, the Wildcats took two. It's good. Oh, maybe they're going to lose this one because they were down early. They right. came back and they came freaking back. went and swept the Bengals. And it was like, dang. <laughs> yep. No quit cats, dude. The no quit cats. Exactly. So, Simon, now uh, we got to flip the script a little bit. Most painful L this season. Which one is it?
1: That was a little bit easier to target kind of just because we don't have as many L's. Um, you know, 10, what 12 ended up with 12 12. L's up the yep, 12 in the entire in the entire thing. Um, I mean, like if we're if we're counting NCAA champ, you know, tournament, I think it, that Lehigh game was yeah that was brutal. That was hard to watch. Um, just, you know, because again, we were the better team and, um, we, uh, I think we would have really turned some heads had we had to advanced after that game. Um, that one's hard. Um, I think, you know, I think there was one against, um, I think it was the Cal state Fullerton one too. That was a little bit, that was tough. Um,
0: that was tough because they came back and they beat the Wildcats late. And yeah. once again, Fullerton was a was a tournament team as well this year. Absolutely, um, ah, that was a rough game.
1: That was rough because I'm like, we had that game, like we had it right there, and then yeah, just in those last couple innings, it was like, nope.
0: Yeah, Fullerton goes so. back and wins it. I think for me, the most painful L is the Utah State game that we talked about earlier. Uh, yeah. At that point, the Wildcats had lost just one game to the Mountain West Conference. It was a split with San Diego State which is a big deal because we talked about how talented of a team they were. They were a tournament team this year. Um, They were no joke and split with San Diego state in San Diego was a big deal. Right. And so I think that everybody assumed that the Wildcats would then that final mountain West conference game was going to be against Utah state who was not having a good year. They weren't great. And the Wildcats were, you know, taking the trip up to Logan to play them in their Mickey mouse park and they ended up going back and forth. They let they let the Aggies rally, and the Aggies ended up ended up coming away with the dub. And I think that was just such a painful loss because it's just like this was a this was a dub, man. Like we, this team should not lose to that Utah State team. Like yep. they stink. They're terrible, and they ended up losing. And so it's just. I would say like, you know, you like you said earlier, the in-state games mean a little bit more even yeah, yeah. though Utah State was not a good team. They were nowhere near being close to an NCAA tournament berth in the big in the Mountain West Conference. Man, losing that game hurt cuz it was just like, ugh, "Are you kidding me? Them? <laughs> Why do yeah. they have the devil magic?"
1: I hate yeah. it. I'm okay with Utah. I'm okay with BYU if they if they beat us a game, you know. That's fine, you know. They the they're,
0: they're tough, but Utah State. I'm like, no, we had them, we had them, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I, I and I I'd like to see a game against BYU. That were the only in-state team that we did not play. You know, you can say, well, what about you know uh, Salt Lake Community College? Like, okay, sure, we didn't play Salt Lake Community College. That's fair. Um, we're not going to play a team like Snow. You know, it's it's just no. not. It's not going to happen. So you basically played everybody. You played everybody who's on your level for the most part, except for Brigham Young. Except and, uh, and I would have liked to see it. I would have liked you know have an opportunity against that team because they were good too. Uh, they didn't end up making the tournament in the West Coast Conference, but um, they were close. Yeah. In, yep. in RPI to the Wildcats.
1: Yep. No, I, I think that one's, that one's a game that I would like to see. But... um, You know, we obviously talk about Portland state and everything like that. That was a, Uh, what might've been, what might've been. And I, uh, I would have loved to see it. Like I said, I'll, I'll repeat what I said on the last show. When I, when I say that, you know, us not facing Portland state, like, you know, we had nothing to prove. Like we obviously were the best team in the conference. There's no doubt about it. Like what we just Uh, did in that conference tournament, there's, there's no doubt we were the best team. Um, but I still would have loved to see it. You know what I mean? Like it it would have been, you know, having them travel to Portland state, having every game get canceled. Like that was the one, that was the series, like that pinnacle ending of the regular season that, that we all wanted to see. And fortunately I didn't get to see it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And especially for the, for the record, right. The Wildcats tied the, the conf or the, uh, the program record for wins at 38. That's why, you know, winning against Lehigh or, you know, beating Portland State in one of those games would have made the difference, right? Because if they were going to be conference champions, they would have had to get to thirty eight. Yep. One more dub would have broken the record and would have, you know, make this the high water mark for this program. And they just didn't get there because of the rain in Portland. So
1: Whatever.
0: Exactly, uh, Simon, really quickly wrapping up the segment. Um, do you feel that Weber State is a preseason number one favorite? I mean, I look at this roster and they didn't lose too much. Of course, losing the services of Arissa Henderson, which is a big deal. Losing Chloe Camarero and her bat. Uh, and then also, you know, losing Brooke Moiai and, um, and Abby Sagert, uh, That senior leadership, that group leaving the program. But the, the core of the team remains intact. And so I got to look at that and say, yeah, I think that they're, they're probably the favorite. I right? like who's better.
1: Right. Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, like you put up a, a season that, that that's that good. You know what I mean? Like, um, and we talked about it before, um, at the beginning of the season, the Wildcats don't rebuild, they restock. Like that, mm-hmm. that's what Coach Amicone does. The thing with it is that I think too, that's going to add to that is, you can look at the transfer portal um, because I think that's going to be one thing that we have to look at this season is who doesn't want to play for Weber state right now. Like it is a good soft. Like we've defined ourselves as one of the top softball programs in the NCAA right now. Um, And I think we have, um, I think we're going to get prospects that, you know, are, are going to be something that a lot of other schools in the big sky don't have the opportunity to get some of the prospects prospects that we're going to get solely because of what we've been doing lately um because I, I really do think we're a team that you know people want to play for so
0: yeah i mean i look at i look at the prospects that are coming in from riverton high school who are nationally ranked right now in softball We've got a couple of really good prospects coming from a, a nationally ranked team locally they're choosing weber state yep. and so uh, i think that that's a credit to coach emmy Cohn and recruiting her staff and their recruiting ability but also to where this program is at you know that if you come to Weber State, you will get an opportunity to play. You will play a tough out-of-conference schedule. Coach Amy Cohn makes no bones about that. That's how she likes to do it. She wants to try and put her team up against the best, usually in the West, that she can. You know, And so you're going to get games against UCLA. You're going to get games against Cal State Fullerton. You're going to see San Diego State. You're going to see Grand Canyon, who was also a tournament team this year. They were the WAC champion. You're going to get UNLV, right? You're going to get to play those programs if you come to Weber State. So you're going to get a chance to play some of the best softball in the West. And then you're also going to get a chance to make it through the Big Sky Conference and play in the NCAA tournament. Exactly. That's, that's the thing that happens in Ogden. And you're going to get to, you know, if your family, if, you, if you're like, you know, these local recruits coming from Riverton High School, you're probably going to get an opportunity to host the conference tournament in Ogden because that's what happens. The Wildcats win the regular season title. This is the sixth time in a row or something like that. Six or seven, I can't remember. And so that's what happens. The conference tournament gets played in Ogden. And so if you're local, like these local recruits are, your family can just take a short drive up to Ogden and they get to watch you play in the conference tournament because there is no doubt in my mind, the Wildcats, they're, they're going to get to play. And now with you know SUU dropping out of the conference, going to the WAC. All, all of the six remaining teams in the conference will play in the conference tournament going forward. So, yep. preseason number one favorite, I got to think it's the truth. I got to think that's it. Who's better?
1: Exactly. I, that, that's the only thing. Like, I think the only other team that, you know, might be doing something interesting in the offseason or might be having a little bit of a, a development at Idaho State, like, I think they're going to get better than they were last season. Um, but I think. I don't think we have the power to to match a team like the Wildcats and and really come in and and, and put a threat to, you know, being regular season or big sky champs like like we do. So
0: Yeah. So folks, that's our season review uh, in in sum. Um now we're gonna go on to a quick game. I'm gonna try and keep this short to uh, kind of wrap up the show. I'm calling this game the cream of the wildcat crop. And uh, so now everything's in the books. Everyone's played this year. All the teams have played, all of the the NCAA-sanctioned sports. And so, Simon, I wanted to ask you, of all of these teams, who do you think, like, give me your list. Who do you think had the best season starting from the top, going all the way down? You know, let's include golf in this because, you know, the men's and women's golf programs had some good, Good, uh, some good play this year with the men, of course, winning the conference championship in the tournament. Um, Tennis programs had good showings. Uh, The women's program winning the regular season championship and then also playing in the conference championship against NAU uh, and losing in a heartbreaker there. Um, Of course, softball winning the conference championship, you know, and, and, and the run that they had. Men losing a heartbreaker in the conference tournament to a good Montana state team. I mean, we all agreed that that was probably the real conference championship because when Montana State ended up going on to face Northern Colorado, it wasn't a contest, right? It wasn't. It wasn't the same as when the Wildcats and the Bobcats had played the night before. Exactly. So, give me your list, man. What do you? Uh, who do you? You know, give me from one to ten. Who you think you ha- had a had the best season
1: on down? One to ten. Okay. Softball is one. I all at one. Yep, that is as the historic season that we were staying right there, I, I, I can't, you know, I think I've talked about it on the show for a while that the, the softball team is different and I have yes. no doubt, no doubt about it. Holy um, God. yeah. Yep. Um, I honestly think as far as, as far as terms of success and everything like that, men's golf is a good number two. Um, yeah.
0: they won the conference championship,
1: right? right? Yep. And we got Reese Fisher who I, I think he's a phenomenal golfer. I think he's one of those guys that, yep, he's going to, he puts Weber State on the map even more. You know what I mean? Um, And and people see Reese went there, you know, it starts to attract attention. Um, Number three. (laughs)
0: Uh, Three is where it gets tough for me too. I think I've got my choice though.
1: I think for me, between volleyball and women's tennis for me, kind of at the number three spot. And yep. that, that's what's hard about it. Because um, I think women's tennis was phenomenal. Save that last game, which was heartbreaking. Um, was for real tough. about heartbreaking games. That was a tough one. Um, and I thought it
0: was going to be closer because th- when those two teams had played, uh, I th- they had played, I don't think they played in Flagstaff, but like, when they had played last, right. uh, it was closer.
1: Yep. But I think like, you know, NAU had like what, like three conference, like three conference player of the weeks like coming into it. like they, they were a tough team. It was their um, fourth
0: straight championship game too, I think. Something like that. They had they had they were on quite a run.
1: Yep. And then volleyball, obviously, like I think I would have loved to see them in the, you know, D one national tournament and everything like that. Um obviously didn't get to see that happen this year. Um,
0: but, the, but the NIVC run was something.
1: It was something, yes. And um, I think, especially the game against Portland State, where they really kind of had that revenge game against them. Yes, and they absolutely <laughs> did, right? Definitely got that revenge. I, that's probably what actually pushes volleyball up to number three for me and women's tennis to four. I think I don't blame anybody for switching those two up. I think that's two phenomenal programs this year. And you know, obviously, obviously, both have merits, but that—that's for me. I think you know, seeing that Portland State revenge game right there was just awesome. Um, number five, Men's Do I do men's hoops at number five? That's I don't tri- put them there. I don't put them there. Like, that's the hard. Like, had they had they finished at the number one seed, I probably would have put them there. Like that I think that's fair. fair. Yep. Um, are you putting are you putting women's soccer at five? That's kind of what I'm I'm thinking. putting
0: soccer at five yeah. because they played in, in the, the conference championship against Montana. Right. Ended up losing to the Grizz, which is a heartbreaker, of course. Um, it sucks. But uh, I'm impressed because I don't think anybody had conference championship expectations of the women's soccer team going into the season. You know, Next season, we'll do our best to do uh, a, a women's soccer dedicated show, so we'll get you know coverage on them. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think you know going in with a new head coach, I don't think people really knew what to expect, especially since the last couple of seasons had been just sort of meh. It hasn't been great um, since the Wildcats had won the conference championship a few years ago. And then to come in and have the run that they did in the, in the regular season to go out to, I think the conference tournament was in Greeley. Uh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't Greeley because they were there at the same time that uh, the women's, uh, the volleyball team was out there playing Northern Colorado. Um, and so, yeah, like it was like, yeah, I, I would put them at number five because they go in, they play in the conference championship. They don't win, which is a bummer, but uh, they were there yep. and no one exactly. expected that from them. So, so good for them.
1: Yep, exactly and i think you know it kind of matches up to up to where like i think they're we good number five under that women's tennis team at number four um number six is tough because i don't know if i can put men's hoops at number six get either like they felt more yeah, like bro, i've th- got them order. i've got them at six you've got them at six i yeah yeah, why, why wouldn't they be a number six? I had them like maybe as a you know thing for number five. No, they're they're number six. Yeah, uh, I think that, that's one thing. Um, had they finished at the number one seed, like I'm not even talking about winning the championship. Like I'm talking about just finishing at the number one seed. I think I probably would have ranked them just a little bit higher. Sure. Um and it was title line. Yep, exactly. Um, and I think the hard thing about the Wildcats men's team is that. I really do think that the two best teams in the conference were Montana State and Weber State. Like, I have no okay. doubt
0: about them. 100% agree with you.
1: Exactly. Like, I think they were, I think they, like, you know, I think it's fair to say that Weber State had the best basketball team in the conference this year. Now, when they had the most talented team. They had the conference. most talented team. That's, yeah, so that's the kicker right there. Um, because I think, you know, you had that senior leadership and everything like that. You had, yep. Hewan, Dylan Jones, JJ um, Overton, Overton,
0: Dante, Dante Bassett, Bassett, Michael Kozak in his long time at Weber State. I mean, there was, there was exactly. plenty plenty to like about this squad.
1: Yep, and I would have loved to see Dante Bassett play more. Again, I think that kind of pushes them up a little bit more. Um, but unfortunately, I had that injury. Always hard with that. Um, but yeah, yep. I I love that Wildcat Hoops team. Um, but it is it is one of those things where they they're definitely that sixth seed for me. Um. yeah are we doing like club sports like men's soccer and hockey or
0: no i didn't include them i just included ncaa sanctioned sports here
1: gotcha so we still have men's soccer in there uh no no men's soccer no men's tennis so we got men's tennis um and then we got women's basketball we got football and then we got women's golf women's golf yes yeah um I'm probably gonna do women's golf for round seven. That's kind of what I'm feeling on that one. Yep. Um, and then I think I'm probably gonna do. Uh, it's tough. I I'm debating between whether I put women's t- um, women's basketball and men's tennis at that eight spot. Um, that is tricky for me.
0: Yeah, so for me, I got women's golf at seven, men's yep. tennis at eight.
1: Men's tennis at eight. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things. Like, I think men's tennis. Um, you know, we had Sebastian Buxman who was on fire this year, and I think he's one of those guys that's proved, that's proving that he's going to be um, the future of this program. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, so, I I think that's a good that's a good number eight. Um, as for number nine, for um, women's basketball um i love i love seeing them this year um and one of my favorite moments that i had was when i was in idaho and um we were doing the press conference after they had beat um sacramento state and this reporter asked um coach v um just what would like just what happened to kind of you know turn around this um this team that hadn't had a ton of wins you know um this team won with a tournament a, game since 2017. Right. And she's like, well, and he was kind of just talking about the season. Like, he's like, you guys were below 500, all the stuff. He came in as the second lowest seed, everything like that. And she's like, well, the thing is, we were losing all these games by like four points. And she was yeah, absolutely right. A
0: lot of close losses. Yeah.
1: Right. A lot of close losses. Um, I think one thing, the reason that I would put women's basketball over football is because they first off won a tournament game which is always you know big big marker right there um and then number two i think they have a very established um core three along with the coach that i think um propels them into next season um that that was one of the things is i think you know we we have to take into and, and consider potential of these programs um and i think Women's basketball clearly defined that potential just with, um, you know, having that big three right there. That, that's a huge mile marker. Um, football comes in last. Um, football the thing that the last,
0: which I think is yep. surprising, but um, looking at the way that the schedule a- had it out, I mean, it was a rough fall, man. It was, it was. a rough fall. One yep. really one quality win on the season against Eastern Washington up in Cheney. It was big, really big win, you know, you know, um, but. You know, Chris Jackson had himself a game, but uh, it was rough. You know, every every other big game that the Wildcats ended up playing, they lost. Many of those games were at home. Lost to James Madison. Lost to Davis at home. Lost to Montana State at home. You know, ended up losing to Portland State at home. You know, the and I think that that that, that win right there is kind of why I've got them down so far. Is that like, okay, you lost to a good James Madison team who played in the semifinal. Yeah. Uh, you lost to a good. Montana state team who played in the national championship. You lost to a good Davis team at the last second when you probably shouldn't have, but that is what it is. Okay. They got one on you. Okay. But then you lose to Portland state. That hurts. You know, hurts. I can't remember. I can't remember the quarterback's name, but you let him go off on you. Just didn't have an answer for him. It it was tough. And so that, that one right there kind of put the nail in the coffin. And I think probably that, that loss right there is the reason the wildcats don't make the playoffs. And so missed the playoffs, not even in the hunt for a conference championship this year. Uh, it was just a really, a really really down year. And I think a, a difficult season considering how much senior leadership there was on the team. And now you know, looking forward, you know, there, there are some skill positions that will, there are some question marks going into next season. Uh, a lot of young guys are going to have to step up. Looking at the roster right now, it's like uh, we're going to need to see some guys really, you know, start to perform. There's not an obvious next man up in some of these positions, right? Right. Uh, and so I think that's why maybe they've had the the roughest uh, year of all.
1: Yep. And I think that's one thing, too. Like, we're going to look at um, potential and everything like that, like we had with women's basketball and everything. Um, it was hard with them because they were a senior lead team. And now you're not having she's come back next season. And you're not having uh, Sheed and anything like that,
0: you know. Rashid Sheed, no Sherwin Lavaca, no Connor Mortensen. George Tarlis is transferred out. You lose Ben Bowes. You lose um, who else on, on the offensive line. Um, you're, you're losing a lot of guys, man. Right. A lo- Some a lot of guys. You know, have you know, NFL names. You, you know, know what I mean? No Randall Grimes. No. And so I look around and I go, gosh, man, like where's... What's what's gonna happen here? Because we've lost a ton of guys, yep. and uh, it hurts. It's tough. Yep.
1: And I think I think we'll see Coach Mental um, come in, and I I love seeing this Coach Mental move. I I talked to him, and he is awesome. I think he's one of those guys where we'll see a little bit of a different style in the offense that um, suits our suits our player skills um, a little bit better. And um, I'm hoping that that's one thing that we see this season especially is just um, Coach Mental coming in and um, really, really taking advantage of some of the the skills that we have on our offense um, a little bit better and uh, getting us back to where we were where we were safe football belongs. Yeah.
0: So that's it. That's cream. Oh, the wildcat crop, according to Simon and Colby. Simon, right. man, um, that's all we got, man. This show ran a little bit long, but it's the last one of the season. So I just wanted to, you know, take a take a second to thank you, dude, for sticking with us. You know, you were on a ton of shows this season, especially beyond just men's hoops and football. Uh, when a lot of our panelists, you know, um you know, those are kind of their areas of expertise. You know, you were willing to kind of dive in to some of these other ones like women's hoops with us and softball and volleyball, right? Like all these other shows that we ended up doing this year talking more about those teams and giving them the the coverage that they deserve. You were right there with us, man. So I want to thank you and thank all of our other panelists, you know, Jessica Euler, Dan Hubler. I want to thank you, you know, your colleague, Emily Miller, also from the signpost for her appearances. Um, Also want to, you know, thank our other guys, Sean Lewis, Dustin Chapman, Chappie uh who uh, you know who else am i who, who else are we regularly having on the show guys like it's uh the, we had
1: john king on we had john yeah. king on a few had, had john
0: king before. on in a while he's, he's doing all right though i sent him a text the other day say how you doing man he's like oh it's busy so he's been busy at work doing 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 the stuff but um want to thank him too and everybody who was a panelist this year in this season man we really uh, enjoyed having everybody on talking some wildcat sports and so We'll be going into, uh, like I said at the top of the show, off season mode for a little while. I'll be trying to produce a alumni interview for you folks every, you know, couple of a couple of weeks or so, just so that we can uh, keep the keep the content flowing. But then also, you know, get ourselves prepared for season three of Weber State Weekly, which will begin sometime around August later this year. But Simon, thank you to you, man. Like I said, for sticking with us and uh, being such a key part of this. Really appreciate you, man. Um, I
1: appreciate it man this is one of my favorite times of the week I love doing
0: this <laughs> yeah man we'll wrap up the show like we usually do with uh, the usual stuff weberstateweekly at gmail.com uh, we'll be sending out some info to everybody to kind of get some feedback um, Facebook Instagram Twitter we have the Patreon. once again want to thank our patrons really appreciate all of you all for supporting Weber State Weekly and having such an impact here and then the blog weberstateweekly.com probably doing a little bit more work over there as we move into offseason now as I have time to think about uh, writing some things and you know cooking some stuff up. Uh, I have been thinking about maybe doing um, we did an all decade team for the football team. We did not do that for basketball. So maybe do a men's hoops all decade team. That could be a lot of fun. So we yeah. think about that. Might be something coming up on the on the blog soon, but we'll see. But um, Simon Morrison, thanks again man for taking some time to chat Weaver State Weekly. We'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weaver State, Weaver State. Great. Great, great. Go wild. <laughs>